Sometimes a thunderbolt will shoot from a clear sky. And sometimes in the life of a peaceful family, and I want you to think church as well as you as an individual. Sometimes in the life of a peaceful church or family, without warning of gathered storms, something terrible will fall. And from that moment, everything seems changed. That family or that church is no more exactly what it was before. Better it ought to be. Damaged it may be. The result depends on the family or the church itself and its response to the invading storm of trouble, Ian. Forever after, its spiritual weather is altered. But for the family or the church who believes in God, such rending and frightful catastrophes never come but where they are turned around. This is the honey. Turned around for good in that family's life or that church's life and in others' lives they touch. We were hit with a, a massive thunderbolt. That news guy didn't get the weather. He, he got the beginning of the winds. We peaked it. I know on our island, they were... There were record gusts of 205 miles an hour. Amen. Charlie fit in the center of the eye of Ian. It was a wicked storm. It wasn't from God. It was a thunderbolt from hell. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But, but from day one, when we opened those doors and you gathered, and we began to just bring the focus as uh, our dear friend Phil Strout says, look for honey in the lion. And we found honey from day one, and we started giving away everything we had. Everything we had. We threw the doors open and said, people are hungry. People without power. We, we, we began to feed. I want to take you through some pictures. And honey, let's, let's watch. Do we have the pictures? That's what I said. Well, make me look good here. I got my boss here. I've got, you know. We served, this is in, in three weeks' time, we served 7,000 hot meals. All volunteers. We saw people coming in homeless, got a hot meal. The next day they were here helping serve. It was just a, you met a lady that had. Yeah, I met a lady that came and uh, she wasn't from our church and she was, she was still pretty shattered. Her daughter brought her uh, to, to get some groceries and some help. She had been in the Fort Myers Beach area where everything had gotten so flooded. She was in a mobile home. And what happened is while she was there, the refrigerator fell on top of her and knocked her out. As the water was as the rising. the water was rising, knocked her out, everything. Her boyfriend actually came and was able to rescue her out of this whole crisis. She shows up here. She still, she had gone to the emergency room, but they had so many people, they just shifted her on out. She shows up here just still somewhat in a daze, but tears, just weeping because she had stuff to clean with that, that we provided. She had That a came hot from meal. Convoy. Yes, from Convoy. And then she had 
groceries and a hot meal, and we prayed with her and loved on her. So there was that's just one. There were so many. She got, so let's go to the next. Uh, uh, this is our, our just volunteer team. I mean, we had all hands on deck. We had our worship leader in there helping cook. We had, I mean, whoever, if you could, if you could knew how to boil water, you were in our kitchen. Uh, you know, just, and, and all these people had their own homes damaged. Yes. They had, you know, their own yes. disasters going on in their life. And, and, but we, we, we rallied. We knew this mm. is, this is our time. This is our time. We got hit with a lightning bolt. How do we respond to this? Do we feel sorry for ourselves and do we moan and go within or do we go out? Stay on mission. That was the Lord's word to us. The mission hasn't changed. We stayed on mission. We stayed on focus. Go ahead. This is our vineyard, became the vineyard warehouse in here. Gave 254,000 pounds of groceries away uh, in one month, less than one month. What we don't have pictures of, I don't know where they came. We started getting stuff from we don't even know where. Yeah. We had two pallets of pineapples, whole pineapples. And I'm like, I, we can't use it. What are we going to do? How's it going to get? So the, the Pastor Charles and some any of you youth were part of that. They went out to the four-way stop, and they started handing free pineapples to cars <laughs> going by. Way to go, guys. People were losing their minds <laughs> with, like, pineapples and it's like yes something <laughs> juicy and wonderful we went through two pallets of I mean a pallet is like it just and it was hundreds and hundreds and three days gone because I thought man we're gonna have flies in here and go ahead let's go to the uh, uh this is uh our where I live my that wife and I this St. James City and and uh we we chose as a church to pour our resources and 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 disaster relief to rebuild a home that was destroyed. And we went all in as a church. There was donations of air conditioners and thousands and thousands of dollars and hundreds and hundreds of man hours and prayers and sacrifice. And there was, there was times I'd call Pastor Jason whose back was out, and, and, but he's young and you can't complain when you're young. And whether you... <laughs> You know, you just, I, you know, and, and, you know, I need you out there helping. And, and people went, just sacrificed to raise up a, a destroyed. They wouldn't have, they'd be home. They had no insurance. They had no way of rebuilding. Uh, but the vineyard came to rescue. Then Convoy furnished the home with all new furniture. Uh, Convoy of Hope did. So go ahead. Amen. Then on the spur of the moment, we decided, you know, our kids are rocked here. Kids suffer. And, and just as much as adults. They were depressed. They were depressed, despondent. Mm -hmm. And we said, let's send a group to, uh, where'd we go? Uh, Bush Gardens. And we rented a bus, rounded up all the kids. We sent them, the parents were weeping. I don't know if they were weeping because they were, <laughs> I, they're gone for a day. No, I, I, I think they were happy in Jesus. They were happy they in were. Jesus. They were. They're gone. Let's go. <laughs> Nobody still had any power. You know, we're just, uh, uh, go ahead. This is, uh, this is my hurricane attire. Uh, my wife and I, I mean, we hadn't bathed. We, you know, we had to evacuate our island and, and with nothing but a suitcase. And, and we were disheveled. And this is Pastor Kevin and his wife, Debbie, and Abdi and, and his bride, Abdi pastors uh, uh, in Doral. And, but Pastor Kevin uh, has been our dear friend and Debbie, and Pastor Debbie, and they they drove over the Monday after the storm, and they said, "What do you need?" And I said, "Well, I, we could really use a, a, a generator." Where we were moved 
evacuated to didn't have one. And I said some Cuban sandwiches would be unbelievable. Hey. Well, you know, come on. He's asking. They were still, I don't know how, but they were still hot yeah. when they got here. Yeah. And then he pulled out a check for $10,000. And he said, you're going to need this. You're going to need this. This is what being part of the Vineyard family is all about. And they've been through their own. They, they, they went through Andrew, and he pastored through that. And so they, and then the Keys Vineyard that was rocked by Irma, rocked by Irma, uh, devastated. They, they sent $5,000. The money just started coming in from people we didn't know. People that I didn't even like were calling me and just said, <laughs> But you like them a lot better when they come with a check. What is that? Is that is that wrong? All right, go to the next. Uh, I got my boss here. I gotta be. Gotta tighten up. <laughs> this was one of the best things that came out of the storm. Tell them when you found it. But we. we uh, uh, they sent me on the mission and Kelly and Charles and to buy a new truck so we could have a, a food truck. And I'm thinking. New is a relative term here. Yeah. Well, you know. And so I'm like, of all people to be looking at a truck, should I be looking at? We're praying. We're we're just. God, show us, lead us. You're in Miami. We're in Miami, and it's the old FedEx and UPS trucks and things that they're... 350,000 <laughs> miles on this so truck. So we knew enough to look under to see if there was rust, you know, under the thing. And so we found the one, and it just kind of like, it, we just were drawn to it. And then we took it to a process with some people in Miami that just, I mean, they gut it and they redo the whole thing, stainless steel. You've got cooktops, you've got fryers, we've got refrigerators in there, freezers. And we had that baby just, uh, and, and tell them about when they put us ahead of the list. They, we they, needed they it said, like We now. told them, we, we, they said, you got five trucks in front of you. I said, we were going to give, Pastor Charles stepped up and he said, we're giving our food away. Mm -hmm. We're not making money here. They said, and this is for God. He threw the God card on the table. <laughs> and they're like, this is for God? He said, this is for God. God needs to be at the front of the line. They said, we're putting God to the front of the line. They said, they said yeah. yeah, they don't want God angry with us. They said, we don't want God mad at us. And Charles was like, well, I didn't want to have to tell on you, but, uh, you know, but now God's going to be happy with you and they knocked it out i mean unbelievable got it wrapped here locally with friends of ours mitch and it's and uh and then go back to it uh go back to the truck and it's sweeter than honey that thing has been all over it's been pine island multiple times it's it's been at city events it was friday night at the celebration it was out they gave a thousand free uh some kind of taco deal fish taco whatever their fish thousand free it's a little hard because you got other trucks there selling stuff and the vineyard line is like down the block you know it's because it's free and it's really good food and so it'll never be a meal sold out of that truck we paid cash for it we're really close to ninety thousand yeah, dollars, and it was all money just given. It wasn't not a dime out of our church budget. It was all money that just came from you and from other places and people that we didn't know. Just sewed into that vision to say we've been struck by a thunderbolt, but this is how we're going to respond. You know, in the kingdom of God, when the devil pokes you in the eye. You knock him out. You go back. You don't just go by a big baby and suck your thumb. You, you say, we're going to give push back. But you push back in a kingdom way. You push back with kindness. You push back with the love of Jesus. You push back with free food, free meals, prayer, loving on people. And you guys 
made it happen. We, we uh, look at they had to, they had to make me wrong. $89,528 spent on the food truck. I'm going to say that's really close to $90,000, but we're going to be technical here. All right. Uh, we account for every dime, by the way. That's a good point. That's good. Of the next. And this is uh, out on Pine Island. Food ministry went out there. The Hispanic community that was rocked, the trailers, no roost on them months later. And we're out there serving, and we served ethnic food out there. We didn't go bring them gringo food. We served uh, some wonderful uh, frijoles negros and a roast, and Buster the Bear was out there, and the kids were loving it. We did a, a Christmas thing anyway. So as I think that's all of our, uh, all of our slides. So we just want to say, oh, and we've sensed the storm, not counting today. We're believing God for 30 today. So since the thorn, and we, we're already at 30 plus uh, as of uh, a, few, a couple months ago. But since Ian, we've seen 49 people like are going to get baptized. We've seen 49 people uh, get baptized. And so, thank you, honey. So, you know, we're part of a bigger thing than just us. And it's, I call it the Big V Vineyard, but it's, uh, uh, it's a family. Is it a perfect family? No. Is my family perfect? No. Uh, it's just, it's, but it's our family. It's been our family. My wife and I have grown up in the vineyard. They've loved us, served us, been kind to us, kept us through hard times. And, and you know, I'm just honored today. Uh, on his own, I didn't ask him to come. Uh, Joel Seymour is our uh, overseer. There's only two like him in the vineyard. They both oversee over 250 churches each. So he has 250 churches, and churches are draining. Let me just help you. Pastors are draining. I've been draining. It's not an easy job. But he flew in. He didn't even know it. He flew in on the 28th, the anniversary of Ian with his bride, Christy. Uh, they pastored for years, and he's from Ohio, so I have a little mercy on him. And, and, uh, but he had come down during Ian just a, a, a week or so after the storm had come, and, and he gave us a, a, a great word. And so I just thought uh, it would be just an honor to have him come and, and just give us a, 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 just whatever's on his heart. So let's give Joel Seymour a great, great hand. Hey, it is good to be here. It is an honor to be here. Can, can I just say this, and I think you'll agree. You all have great pastors and great leaders here, don't you? Amen? Amen. Pastor Jamie, Pastor Kim, but also all the other staff and leaders you have. You just, I've spent time with them last night, and just you have quality leaders, and you all are blessed. Can I just say this, and this might be a little weird to applaud. You're a great church. I mean, just look around at one another. You all are a great church. And it's okay to celebrate that. Vineyard USA and the churches in this region are so proud of you all. Uh, you are to be commended. You fed people, you loved people, you ministered to people when you needed fed, when you needed loved, when you needed ministered to. And yet, out of your own need, you gave to others. And I think you found out you received as you did that, that the Lord provided for you all. You are to be commended and your reputation uh, rings out among the vineyards. 
Last year, I talked a bit uh, in, in a few minutes uh, when I was here a year ago. I talked about lamenting and the power of lamenting. And several times, Jamie has told me over the years, or to, over this last year, man, that was, that was so good for us. We needed permission to grieve. And he's, he said that over and over again. I want to add to that just uh, for a minute here to say, you still have permission to grieve, but you also have permission to celebrate and worship God. Yeah. Amen. Right? Ecclesiastes 3 says, there is a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. I propose today that we do both. There have been significant times in the life of the church and in the history of the people of God where we learn to do both. Do you remember uh, David in his Psalms and, and he would do both? He would lament and cry out, and, oh, God, where are you at? How long will it take you for you to rescue me? I, I want to dash the heads of my enemies on rocks. That's a, that's a worship song we don't sing a lot, you know. Um, and yet you read those psalms. Psalm 13 is a great example. At the end, he turns it. But I'm going to hold up the cup of salvation. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to teach sinners the ways of the Lord. It's like he turns. Or I believe the lament I read to you all last year, Lamentations 3. Your word has become like gravel in my mouth. I'm despondent and I'm in despair. I look around and ask, where is my God? I can taste the bitterness and the gall and the wanderings. Yet this, isn't that word yet so good? Yet this I will call to mind. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. It is good to hope and wait on the salvation of our Lord. Do you, do you catch that? There is a time to grieve and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And today is a day to do both. In the history of God, when the people of God had come back from exile, 40 years they'd been in captivity in Babylon. They come back, they find their country in ruins, the temple's destroyed, the wall is destroyed around Jerusalem, and they get together. They, they take 60 days, almost 60 days, they rebuild the wall. It's been a traumatic experience. At one point, enemies of God are coming against them. They're, they have a sword in one hand, a shovel in another hand. They rebuild the wall. They come together. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the high priest, and other priests come together. And, and while they were rebuilding the wall, there was another rebuilding project going on. Ezra had been rebuilding the word of God. He had found the scrolls and began to put them together and preserve them. And he, he reads large portions of the Old Testament to the people as all the people of the country gather. They gathered to celebrate, but as he begins to read, they, they weep and they weep and they weep. Maybe they wept like... We did earlier during that video because of the trauma they had experienced of 40 years of exile, coming back to see homes and temple and their church, their, the walls of the city all destroyed. Maybe they, maybe they wept from the trauma of the last 60 days, holding a sword in one hand and digging with the other hand. Maybe they wept as the law was read just because they were convicted of their own sin because of what had led to exile in their case. At one point, as they... As, the law is read, and, and uh, they finish it up. At one point, Nehemiah, Ezra, and the priest told the people this, Don't mourn or weep on such a day like this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, 
Go and celebrate with a feast of rich food, sweet drinks. Share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected or sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And eventually, their mourning turned to celebration and laughter. There is a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. I propose that today is a day to do both. I'll finish with this. When I was attending a Bible college, a sister school that we had many friends at, um, as a college in our denomination, not far from the college I went to, uh, they suffered a tragedy there girls basketball team was on the way home uh, from a basketball game up in Michigan as they were driving home they they hit a uh, the van hit a sheet of black ice that they couldn't see and it rolled and one of the young women a star of the team Jill she she was killed in the in the car accident and we all knew the family well the the pastor was pastor of a large church in Lexington Kentucky he'd preached at our at our school many times some of my friends went to that church and so they had, a, they had the funeral, and if you can imagine, as any time a tragedy like that hits, uh, it's, it's especially hard when it's a young person, right? And it's a somber service. It's, it's, you can just hear weeping in the service. There's a heaviness in the service. And at the end, a young man stands up, and he begins to sing of how even in this moment, I will bow, bow my head, I will get on my knees, I will cry holy to the Lord. He sang about redemption and Christ and the hope of heaven. During the second verse, the mom and dad, Wally and Barbara, sitting in the front row, stood up. They lifted their hands, and they began to worship. Spontaneously, the whole congregation got up and began to worship. Shouts of amen and hallelujah, celebration of God's redemption and the hope of heaven broke out in that place. The song ended, the pastor read a quick poem, just a few lines about the hope of heaven and the strength we can gain from the Lord Jesus. And the whole crowd, almost at once, began to clap and applaud and cheer on that somber day. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, I would say today is that day. We're going to do that. Pastor Jamie's going to bring the word. There's going to be parts of those words that will cause us to cry. But there'll be parts where we will shout with joy. We will see people baptized. And I dare say we will do both. We will cry and laugh at the same time as we celebrate the goodness of God. And we will end by eating great barbecue throwing some axes, getting in a bounce house. <laughs> and the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And that's okay. Because there is a time to laugh, there is a time to cry, there is a time to mourn, there is a time to dance. Today is the day to do both. God bless you all. We're so proud of you. You know, just even as Joel, my boss, was talking, his boss sent me a, a text message. Uh, Jay Pathick is our, and we don't use the term boss. I, mean, I like to, you know, we're, there are overseers, but Jay is our national leader. And he said, here we are a year later. Look at all the Lord has done. 
How faithful. How faithful you and Kim and your church have been. Grateful for you and celebrating the Lord's goodness with you today. You know, you've caught the eye of a lot of people by your faithfulness and kindness. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're going to take up an offering here in a couple minutes, which we've only, this is the second one since COVID. And, I mean, we take an offering every week, but we just do it in boxes in the back, electronic giving. And I know people will give electronically today. But, you know, we were, we were told early on from the Lord, start looking for honey out of the dead lion. And uh, before we have a representative for Convoy of Hope come up, uh, Tom uh, Tass, Trask, uh, from, he came from Missouri just to be here, just to say hello. And he might be happy when he goes home with whatever he goes home with uh, for the Convoy of Hope. But, you know, I don't know if they're here today, but I know Pastor Charles's neighbors had their roof put on by Convoy of Hope. We've got people in this church that had their rent first and last and security from Con- I never realized that Convoy of Hope was not just about feeding children compassion and disaster relief, but they're still helping people in this area uh, recover. Um, and, and just, I couldn't have a, a group that we we're prouder to be a part of, uh, than Convoy of Hope. I want you to watch this little video of, uh, uh, our first dip of honey, uh, after the storm. Remember the theme here this morning is honey from the storm. And so, uh, I want you to watch my interview. It should be my interview uh, with with him. Okay, we're on it. Hey guys, you know, we're standing here at the vineyard. We're obviously open for business. Uh, thank you for your prayers, support. Some of you have heard the story about finding honey in the line. And the, 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 the weekend right after the hurricane, we made a call to Jesus, our first service, and had several stood. And then the last one to stand uh, was this young man right here. And I, I asked him his name, Ian. and he gave his heart to Jesus. What's your name, buddy? Ian. Ian, no way. You're making that up. Is your name really Ian? Yes. His name is Ian. And Ian, God's got something for him. And this is a prophetic word for us and the churches here. There's a harvest that's coming out of the pain of Ian. Ian's are going to have new beginnings like this young man. So thank you for your prayers. Keep them up. Uh, We couldn't make it without you. God bless, and let's look for a harvest. Hey, guys. You know, we're standing here. Ian, are you here? Is Ian here? Stand up, buddy. Let's just give him a hand. This is Ian right here. You'll see in a minute when we show the, the, the song our uh, Pastor Kelly, our worship leader, wrote. Uh, you'll see a picture of his, of his baptism uh, in that song. And so, you know, you say, would you have gone through that whole everything just to get to see that young man come to Jesus? And I say, yes, Lord, yes. Uh, we're, we're grateful uh, for many lives that have been, been touched through the opportunity to show people uh, the kindness of God. And, and we were empowered to do that 
uh, in, in a practical way by partnering uh, with Convoy of Hope. And uh, so, uh, Tom, I'm going to invite you to come on up from Missouri. Uh, come on, let's give him a hand. Good morning. Yes, I came from a long ways. Uh, Pastor, I, I am originally from Michigan, so there we go. My go daddy, blue. My daddy so, went, went to Michigan. So, outstanding. Yeah, I'm with you, baby. I'm I knew, with you. We're one. I knew there was some reason I liked you. So, <laughs> hey, I want to say thank you for uh, letting me be a part this morning. Honestly, this is extremely refreshing for me. Um, I spent 20 years as a missionary, and with my job now, I travel to quite a few churches. How do I say this nicely? The Spirit of God does not automatically dwell in the house of God. He inhabits the praises of his people. He lives inside of his people. God's here, man. And, and so it's a lot of fun for me just to get to be a part and to worship with y'all. Let me just say, Cape Vineyard is a model partner church for Convoy of Hope. And not just because you give us money, which we appreciate, um, <laughs> but truly because you guys, man, model God's compassion in every way. We're talking about the spontaneous response of God's love to the poor, the suffering, and hurting. And beyond that, that's always easy to do when things are going well, you know what I'm saying? But sitting here this morning and getting to listen to the testimonies of y'all showing God's compassion and love during a time when you all were struggling. That defines a characteristic. That proves God's love in your heart. And those are the kind of churches that Convoy Pope, we want to partner with. Those who truly model Jesus to their communities. Y'all have done that. You all, excuse me, my Southern Missouri. My bad. I got to be more formal. Apologies. Uh, you guys do a great job modeling that to your community. And the partnership you have had with Convoy for years has made a difference. I'm the vice president of Feed One. So let me just say, on behalf of 533,000 little children around the world, thank you for feeding them. <laughs> on behalf of all of Convoy of Hope, and the lives that you're changing through disaster, through community events, through everything, women's empowerment, I want to say thank you. We truly love you guys, and I want you to know that it's not just about helping people physically, it's about helping people spiritually. Jesus, in the end, is what truly matters. And just so you know, we at Convoy have been praying for you all, too. From the beginning, man, we love you guys and care about you. And so just thank you again for being a part. Love you. Great work. Great work. 
We're going to do something we haven't done in, in too long and uh, not take up an offering, but uh, we're going to give away uh, the offering. We're going to uh, give 100 plus percent of the offering away. We had someone this week that just said, hey, Pastor Charles, you in the office? Yeah, I want to come by. Came by. He said, here, is the offering Sunday? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to be there, but here, put this in it. $10,000 check. That was the beginning. We're praying for a lot more. We're believing. It's going to be a significant offering. I know many of you have already given online. Uh, you can do that on your phone. There's a, a brochure in there. We're going to take a, uh, there's a, if you can get the envelope, I think they're sealed. Uh, it, I think the heat got to them, but if you can tear in it, whatever, whatever you got to give, you can put in here. We're going to pass the buckets in a minute. Uh, so if you have a check, if you have your phone, you can use your app. You can go online. Uh, many do. You can do that right now. Permission uh, to give. Make it out to the vineyard. You go to our website. There'll be clear instructions in your program. Uh, you don't have to make the check out because anything that goes in that bucket today or goes in the offering online, it's going to convoy. So just make it out to Vineyard, and uh, we're going to have the check written before we're done this morning so you'll know how much we took up. And so don't make me look bad this morning. So come on. we got a generous God. He's been generous to us. This is a time to add a zero to things you've been thinking about. This is a big deal. This is one of those offerings that's going to break something loose in our church. We're not buying anything from God. We're not trying to repay Convoy of Hope. We're saying, thank you, Lord, and we're going to sow. Some of you, I believe, will start in this offering, and you'll realize that this is my home church. And next week and the week after, you'll start sowing your tithe into this church where your spiritual home is. You might support a thousand. Convoy would never want you to give your offering to them every week instead of your local church. They're a local church organization. We're a local church believing ministry. If Convoy didn't work with local churches, we wouldn't work with Convoy. They love the, they make local churches look good. We gave out all the food. They've just brought it to us. And they were gone by the time the people got here. They empower churches to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I want you, some of you that aren't in the game at the vineyard, that you, this is home. You may give to this. You may give to that. But until your tithe is in the vineyard, your heart's not here. I know that's challenging to hear. But I, I, and we don't need your money but you need to give your money. You need to go all in. If this is home, if you have a home somewhere else, then you give it there. But we want to honor the Lord today with this entire offering. We're going to give it unto him. So we got ushers. We got, we got uh, buckets at the vineyard today. This is a bucket offering. We're going to fill the bucket. So I'm going to say a prayer. And then uh, our ushers are going to pass the thing. And, uh, uh, and then after we're done with the offering, we're going to show the video uh, from the storm that we wrote here, Kelly did, and it's, it's one of the most gripping songs I've ever heard in my life, and we lived it. And uh, it's a song of lament and a song of, of joy. 
Um, so let's pray. Believe with me for abundance today. Uh, don't start yet. Don't start yet. Let's wait. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I know we're ready. Let's say a prayer. Yeah, let's stand up. Good, good word, Rich. Let's stand up. You give better standing up. You know, it's just, it just, it, you can get to your wallet easier. Uh, but we're going to have some, I've been praying for 30 people. We only have like maybe only, I say only, we have like around 20 signed up. But I believe there's people here that are going to have a new beginning today. That day you didn't get up this morning knowing, I'm going to have a new beginning today. God's going to meet us in that baptism tank in a few minutes. But first, we want to give worshipfully, not grudgingly. Don't feel any obligation. But I hope that you, this is one of those offerings you don't want to look back on and say, I didn't take part in that. Or I just gave some change to Jesus. I didn't sacrifice. This is an offering to sacrifice, be glorious. Something's happening, I'm telling you, in this offering with this church. It's something's going to be broken. Now, the Lord told me that. He's breaking. I don't know what it is. I don't know, but he's doing these. There's, and it's connected to the harvest. Again, we're not buying anything from the Lord. We're giving back to him how good he's been to us. So let's pray. Oh, Father, you have been so good. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for people like Convoy of Hope, Lord, that have integrity, that steward crises for us. They're already been in Hawaii. Lord, they've, they've been, they see the disaster coming and they're already on the way. The trucks are already on route here before the storm had even gone through, Lord. I'm grateful they're in Ukraine, Lord, feeding people right now, Lord. Jesus. They're in Morocco. They're in places we can't get, Lord. They're orphanages. There's women coming out of sexual trafficking, being trained in jobs and careers in Guatemala and El Salvador. Lord, it's just an honor to sow in such a kingdom ministry. So, Lord, whisper to your people. Lord, I thank you that this is a generous church. And I know it's not how big the gift is, Lord, because some people, Lord, they're strapped, they're struggling, Lord, they're sacrificed to give what they're going to give. But we just pray, Lord, uh, for your abundance, for your abundance, Lord. Come, we offer this to you. This is our offering. This is us raising a hallelujah and saying thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. You know, it, 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 hard times don't make us anything if we respond in wrong ways. <clears throat> and I'm just grateful that this church responded in good ways uh, through this. I'm just, just grateful. You know, I just want to take a few minutes here, then we're going to have our baptism and celebrate together. But... You know, my wife and I, we live on a little island called Pine Island, and uh, we, uh, uh, we rode out the storm out there, and, and then we 
you know, no power, no water. Uh, everything was decimated. Uh, felt pretty unsafe. No law enforcement, no ambulance, no. We were told by rescue workers that there's no help coming right now. You just, you need to get off the island and bridges out. And we were going to gut it out and come to church by boat. Uh, but, and I've trained our team, whether we, we had a really hard, there was no communication. We had no cell phones, no, uh, you know. And so, but they knew pastors are going to be here on that Sunday. I don't know how they're going to get here, but they're going to be in church on Sunday morning. Because we've trained our folks that we keep the doors open at the vineyard. Amen? In COVID, we kept the doors open. Kind of, sort of, you know. We were in the parking lot. But we just have always taught people, don't call and say, hey, should we come to church? You know, I mean, way above, come to church. Now, if it's unsafe, don't. But some of you were driving around telephone poles, boats in the road. Some of you didn't know where your boats were. Some of you didn't have your car anymore. You couldn't travel. Ruined. I never realized how salt water ruins everything it touches. I just knew. I've lived in Florida all my life. I've lived through a lot of hurricanes. Nothing compares to this. It was unraveling on every level. It was 14 hours of hell. And not knowing, is your roof going to stay there? Porch coming off? Flood coming up? I know, you know, we have story after story. People trapped in their attic with life jackets, hitting their head against the roof. If it comes another foot, we're done. You know, just uh, a lot of trauma. So we decided we, we're, we can't sustain it. So Saturday before the first Sunday, we... Went to the Coast Guard. They were evacuating people with little rubber boats. And we knew we had to get to the other side. I wasn't going to swim. And, uh, I wouldn't have made it, number one. Um, but we, we took our dog, our suitcases, with the understanding that it would probably be months, if not a year, before we'll be able to get back because of the bridge. Of course, the rednecks got it built in a week, you know. So, you know, there's that. Rednecks serve a purpose. Let me just help you. They built that bridge. They built that bridge. But anyway, we got in that little boat, walked up with this handsome group of Coast Guard uh, guys, and Kim's pulling our 90-pound, he's pulling her, Bentley, you know, and these handsome guys. Bentley just walks right up to them, and he squats and craps right at their feet. <laughs> and she's like, Jamie, do something about it. <laughs> it was my fault. My dog then. He became my dog. Take your dog and do something. We got in the rubber raft and we ran aground uh, going to the other side. And the guy said, I don't understand. I've made 50, 60 trips. And then he looked at me. <laughs> and our suitcases. And I said, I'll go to the front of the boat. And it was just a little bit. We got to the shore and we just started. We got to the other side. And we just started weeping. We had no idea what was in us. We got to the other side and son-in-law came and got us. And uh, we were here Sunday morning. And we're just grateful to get there to the other side. I, I want to just take a few moments and talk to you about going to the other side. 
this morning. And, and the, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the same story. Uh, you'll be very familiar with it. I'm going to go through it real quickly. But in Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus is exhausted. He's spent. He's been ministering. But he says to his disciples in verse 35, the evening was coming. And he says to them, which is basically orders or an invitation. You look at it however you want. He said, let us go over to the, say it with me, other side. Now, some people say he was trying to get away. But when you know the rest of the story, he's on mission. Jesus never went somewhere just to go there. He went there because there's something he needed to do. Jesus takes us to the other side. Now, there's a myth that if you follow Jesus, everything will get easier in life. Yeah. Now, those of you laugh have been around. I, my witness is it got harder when I gave my heart to Jesus. My problem, my sins were forgiven, but my problems didn't go away. Giving your heart to Jesus isn't going to pay your back debt. Giving your heart to Jesus isn't going to make all your problems go away. And sometimes following Jesus will lead you into a storm. Now, there are various storms in the Bible. There's the storm that Jonah encountered. That was a storm because he was running from God. And God said, yeah, I'm going to send a little storm here, rock his world. Some of us have been through those storms. They're storms that are meant to capture us from going in the wrong direction and turning us back to the right way. There's a storm that Job encountered uh, uh, in the first of the book, and, and we write about this in our book. It was a demonic storm. It was a storm meant to steal, kill, and destroy. God does not send demonic storms. Demons send demonic storms. Satan was in that storm, though Job was deceived into thinking that it was just an act of God. And there's so many people that have a wrong concept of God. Not every storm is a demonic storm. Some of them are sent by God to recreate. Some of them are just natural disasters that happen. But there are times where there are storms that are filled with darkness. Ian was that storm. I've lived through too many hurricanes. There was something different about Ian. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Verse 36, leaving the crowd, he leaves the 99, or probably way more than that, and behind he took along with him, they took Jesus along with him, just as he was in the boat. He was already in the boat. He says, come on, we're, we're going to the other side. These are boaters. These are fishermen, most of them. Uh, there were other boats. Mark brings this out. The other gospels don't, but keep that in mind. We'll come back to that. It was, there was Jesus' boat with the disciples, and there were some other boats. Just a little side note. Verse 37, a furious, and in some versions translated violent, angry. And the word that's used here for storm or squall is the word for hurricane. In fact, though, Matthew uses a word that is used for earthquakes. This was a, a violent upheaval. Now, they're in the boat, and they've been seeing storms on the sea before. But this one's different. And the waves were beginning to break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And here's Jesus. I mean, this is what this, this people lose their minds trying to figure this out because Jesus is sleeping. 
in the middle of the storm. And, 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 the, and the devil loves when there's a blank, he loves to fill in the blank. Well, he's sleeping because he doesn't care. He's sleeping because there's nothing he can do about it. Instead of understanding, he's sleeping because his father never slumbers and never sleeps. He's sleeping in the peace of my God, my father, he has this. So he's at peace. He's resting in the boat. They're not resting. They're not at peace. They're freaking out. And it says, Jesus was in the stern of the boat sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? See, that's where the devil had already convinced them. Some of you, you you'll go through tragedies. And, and it's, it, it, it's understandable. But you think, God, are you mad at me? God, do you hate me? God, don't you care? All the pain. And, and, and when we talk about storms, we're not just talking about hurricanes. We're talking about cancer. We're talking about divorce. We're talking about dealing with addictions and family members. We're talking about life. And life is filled with storms. But you've got to use discernment. When it's a storm that's just kind of part of life, and when it's a storm that's a demonic attack. See, this storm was a storm because Satan doesn't know everything, but Satan knew what was on the other side. Satan knew where Jesus was headed before he got there. Now, he's not all-knowing, but he connects the dots. Jesus is in a boat. He's heading in a direction. He knows what's on the other side because Satan's in control on the other side. Think of this as a Normandy invasion, and Jesus is leading a, 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 a fleet. up. They're just little fishing boats, and they don't have any guns or swords. Uh, he's just bringing the kingdom of God with him. Jesus knows what's on the other side, but he's resting because he's going to go to work. Remember, he said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's try to get to the other side. He said, let's go to the other side. And so Satan is saying, if I can sink this boat, I can take Jesus out. I can take these evil followers of Jesus. He sees us as evil in a warped way. See, I believe that, that what Satan meant for evil with Ian and the path of destruction was to take out, discourage, destroy, and harm people that have a mission from God in front of them. Churches that have a mission from God on the other side. If we can get to the other side, there's honey waiting on the other side. But you often got to go through the storm to get to the other side. We want to skip the storm and just get to the other side. But Jesus is with them in the storm. And they freak out. They wake him up. And Jesus steps up and says, verse 39... He rebukes, it's a word, a strong word. It's used in chapter one of Mark for muzzling a demon. It says, be muzzled, be silent. Jesus discerned there's darkness beyond natural darkness in this storm. There's the breath of the evil one. So he resisted it, rebuked it as the Lord of all, the creator. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. Now, you're talking some freaked out disciples right now. They're like, what just happened? Oh, my God. What just happened? And then Jesus, after rebuking the storm, rebukes his disciples in a loving way, in a different tone, 
but he's still correcting them. And he says in verse 40, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus was very displeased with his disciples. Not one of them in the boat said, hey guys, let's pray. None of them said, let's raise a hallelujah in the middle of the storm. Do you know that unbelief is infectious? Do you know that if you hang around enough people that are negative and angry and unbelieving, you'll pick that up. It'll quench your spirit. It'll put out your fire. You got to be careful who you're hanging around and listening to, even in church life. There are people that would like to cause trouble more than they'd like to cause faith. There are people that like to be complainers more than they would be prayers. There's people in, in, in every church that, that, that I had a pastor buddy of mine one time. He had a lady in his office, and she was bemoaning and moaning and criping and criticizing and complaining. And he stopped her and he said, let me just stop you. Do you know that it's people like you that are why pastors leave the ministry? How would you like to be told that? The good news was that she started weeping and repented. She said, I'm so sorry, pastor. Jesus said, where was your faith? I'm telling you, the battle is always faith. The battle, I, I was with my father-in-law, who's a mentor, he's watching right now. He's a prayer warrior, leads prayer warrior teams. I was going through a challenge this week. We prayed, he prayed the power of God. I got done with a phone call and I said, you know, Rick, I got a bad feel. I feel like think this, this isn't going to go well. And it turned out that it went well. And the Lord said, I'm not happy with you. That's a bad, it's not just a bad attitude. That's an unbelieving heart. Do you know how many times we yield into our doubt and unbelief? And it was like, wow, this will never work out. This will never change. I'll never get through this. And the enemy just feeds on that. But God says, no, no. Remember who's in the boat. You're not alone. And it's not about the boat. It's about who's in the boat. When they see who's in the boat. Now the question is, is he in your boat? Because if he ain't in your boat and you're in a storm, you better be afraid. You better get him in the boat. Or better yet, you better get in his boat. Because there's no security in your boat. There's no security in your own abilities. Security and safety is where God wants you to be. The safest place on the planet is not hunkered down with guns so that nobody can get near you. And then you get a heart attack and the lazy boy. The safest place to be is where does God want you? Get in his boat. And then when you're in it, know that he's in it. And Captain Jesus has never gone under, and he never will. The good ship vineyard here kept floating because Jesus was in the boat. It was up to Kim and I. We'd be sunk. I was, I was overwhelmed. I was struggling with doubt and fear. God has so many needs in front of us. How can we help them? Then he reminded me of Convoy of Hope. They came to the rescue. 
And then the vineyard came to the rescue. And then churches came to the rescue because Jesus was in the boat. Listen to me. Jesus being in the boat doesn't mean you won't go through storms. Sometimes it attracts him. But when he's in the boat, you've got to have confidence in who he is. And in every storm that you go through with Jesus in the boat, you're going to know something. We're in this series about knowing God. Those disciples knew something about God that they never knew before. They knew something about Jesus. If you go through a storm and don't discover new things about your Savior, your God, then you're wasting the experience. If you live through Ian and you've recovered and you got through it and something hasn't moved in your heart, something hasn't challenged you afresh about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. My wife and I discovered something about God afresh. We celebrated over and over and over again. When we sat on our back porch that one of those pictures and that sign watching all of our trees go and our fencing and our tile, you know, just we sat there and, and we were all alone, lit a candle, no power, no water, and our gas stove. She cooks me a, 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 a meal that's been the best meal I've ever had in my life, and I've had a lot of meals. I can speak with authority. She made a pot of SpaghettiOs with meatballs with a little curdled cream, a little salt, a little pepper, anything else you put in that, and a lot of love. Did I have some saltines with that too? I think we might have had a couple saltines left over. We sat there and we wept together. We didn't know about our kids. And we had a granddaughter that I don't know that they'd found her yet. Don't know if she's here or not, but Grandpa's heart was, you know, there was no communication worry you know but that's when we just we just at that moment's when everything changed for us because we said god we, we said that little prayer over that spaghetti bowl and we said god just use us through this and i had no idea what it would mean but we ate those spaghettios it felt tasted like filet mignon with the most and i'm not you may think oh that's just preaching he's telling a story she'll tell you i mean i'm weeping I'm saying, honey, this is the best spaghettios I've ever had, best, best meal I've ever had in my life. And she was worried. She thought I was kind of come unhinged, and I was out. Of, and I may have been. I'm not sure. And I just, I was, I was just caught up in the moment with the goodness of God with a bowl of spaghettios. And I've had steak meals before where we weren't getting along as a family, and that steak tasted like you were chewing on some rotten dog food. But when Jesus is in the boat, it doesn't matter what you're eating. When Jesus is in the house, it doesn't matter what's going on outside because he's in the house. You got to remind yourself sometimes. First, you got to know, is he in your heart? You got to know, is he in your boat? Have you invited him in or are you just by yourself treading away in the storms of life? But if you're in there, just stop sometimes and say, Jesus, you're in me, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. <laughs> Captain Jesus is at the helm. You don't have to be mean, strong, and tough. You just got to be believing. You got to trust. Because just if one of those disciples would just broke into a song of, of, you know, it is well with my soul, or, or broke into a song of raise a house, or guys, come on, let's, let's get our eyes on the God of the universe that's in the boat. 
That's what faith does. That's what small groups do. That's what prayer does. That's what today will do. Whatever you're in right now, just know who's in the boat with you. And he's never lost a battle. He's never been sunk in a storm. And just to close, he gets, remember there's no chapter divisions in the Bible. He gets to the other side in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, they went across to the other side of the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. They knew he was coming. He's coming. The demon's inside this man. He's coming. Satan failed. He didn't stop him. The invasion is coming. He's going to make it to the other side. And when he gets to the other side, he meets this demoniac living in the tombs, breaking chains, naked, out of his mind, and Jesus sets him free, casts out the demons, saves his soul. The man is radically transformed. Because on the other side of the storm, there's honey. You got to get to the other side to get to the honey. We want the honey brought to this side. And though when you're on mission with Jesus, just remember, when he calls you to cross over, whatever that is, whatever that challenge is, stepping out, whatever that getting in the boat means in your life, Maybe getting baptized today to get to the other side. Maybe this is a new beginning for you to step out. But know that when you do, he steps in. And when you walk with him, he's on mission. He knew Ian was on the other side of this storm. He knew there were many Ians on the other side of this storm. He knew that, that he could trust this church with people that needed to discover the love of Jesus Christ. We're not just a service club. I bless service clubs. Neither is Convoy of Hope. We don't have a hidden agenda. We're straight up. We want you to discover the love of Jesus. We want you to hear the good news. Eat the food. We love to give out free stuff. But the free stuff is to remind you that his love is free. His Kindness is available to receive and accept. And if you've not done that, this can become a day of good news for you that you've crossed over and came today. You, you probably got through some storms to get here today. Emotional attacks, mental battles. But Jesus said, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Because on the other side, there's honey. There's honey waiting. Let's pray together. I just, it's a simple, it's a simple question, but it's, it's everything is involved in the answer. Is Jesus Christ in you? And if you, if you don't know, then you don't know. If you can't answer, yes, he's in my life. I, I know he's in my boat. He's in my life. He's, he's the captain of my ship. He's, he's, he's the only reason I'm still standing. Then hallelujah. But if you don't know that, it's not about being religious or being, uh, you know, knowing more and knowledge and, and, or quitting even some bad habits. And it's about, is Jesus 
in relationship with you? Have you surrendered your heart? If you've not done it, take a moment right now, online, in the room, and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Just invite him. He wants to come in. The Bible says he knocks on the door. And if you open and invite him, he will come in. Forgive your sins and change your life. On the other side, Jesus went to the cross. So on the other side, when he rose from the dead, he was able to invite us to new life. So just thank him if you prayed that prayer, because he heard it. Just thank him if you prayed that prayer. Come, Lord, bless this time of people crossing over to the other side by grace, from darkness to light, by grace, from death to life, by grace, from deception and lies to truth and light, by grace, from guilty and shameful to forgiven and been made righteous by grace. Take people to the other side this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name.